Blaze Radio Network. And now, Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher. Maybe it's time we legalize marijuana. Just a thought. I don't know. I know. It's legal, Jeff, in a lot of places. I know. I know. But I see a story where a founding member from the band Alabama, uh, Teddy Gentry, he's 70 now. He was pulled over for a traffic stop. It doesn't say what he was pulled over for in Cherokee County. And he was arrested, taken into custody on misdemeanor marijuana charges and also one drug paraphernalia charge, whatever that is. Uh, Rolling papers, a pipe, a bong, I don't know. But he was released from jail, didn't offer the bond amount, and the band, of course, their spokesperson didn't, you know, offer any comment. I will just say, I don't know what the deal was, you know, why he was pulled over, but to have him go to jail over misdemeanor marijuana charges and some paraffin, one paraphernalia charge seems a little silly. It just seems a little silly to me. Although I will say the picture that they have of him in this story shows him on stage. And it looks as though the hairpiece that he's wearing, he could probably do without. But, you know, he's 70, so he can wear what he wants. <laughs> That's fine. I would just say, dude, you know what? Smoke your bowl and lose the rug. I believe that's my comment for old Teddy Gentry from the uh, band Alabama being called the country legend. Smoke the bowl, lose the rug. Welcome. Welcome to Chewing the Fat. So we have another death um, that they claim is a monkeypox death. Now the headlines are a little deceiving. One headline says it's the area's first monkeypox death, second in the U.S., referring to the Texas death. And then we also have first U.S. death due to monkeypox confirmed in Los Angeles County. But that's not really true. I mean, the death apparently so far has been attributed to monkeypox, and that's the way the Texas death was as well. Uh, the person had monkeypox at the time of their death, but that's not really what killed them. They had a weakened immune system, and they're not saying what else this person was suffering from in Los Angeles yet. But the uh, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention confirmed the death due to monkeypox. Okay, uh, I guess if you say so, he both people, the one in Texas and the one in LA, had severely immunocompromised, immunocompromised, got to say that properly, immunocompromised, and had been hospitalized. So there's no other details. So we shall see. The numbers, uh, you know, we've got 22,630 cases in the U.S. so far. Uh, California is well in front as the number one state with 4,300 cases. And then, you know, Florida's got 2,200, almost 2,300. Georgia and Illinois are over 1,000. New York is almost 3,700. Texas is over 2,000. Those are the big states. And the rest are, you know, hundreds, if not, you know, below. So the numbers are kind of, you know, kind of steadying out on the monkeypox. Globally, 
I think we're looking at almost 60,000 cases. Uh, so yeah, I mean, they're saying, uh, 59,179 total cases, uh, globally. And the U S is, you know, way out in front of all those other countries. We've covered that, uh, extensively. So just know that, uh, people are now starting to die from monkeypox, <laughs> but not really. So I don't know what to tell you. Be careful and just keep your goo to you. I mean, I've already given you two great tips uh, today. (laughs) Smoke your bowl, lose your rug, keep your goo to you. (laughs) I mean, you're welcome. Isn't it interesting how everybody wants to do something, but not in my backyard. I mean, something needs to be done, but not here. I see where residents of Seattle's Chinatown are a little wound up at the old city officials over a plan to build a homeless megaplex in their neighborhood. (laughs) Uh, No, thank you. No, thank you. Yes, do something, but just not here. King County Department of Community and Human Services is planning to spend $66.5 million to construct a homeless shelter that's going to house more than 500 people. Thousands of Chinatown residents attended the rally Uh, said, uh, no, thank you. Uh, sorry. (laughs) We do not want the construction of the homeless shelter. No. How about no? Sure. Do something. Just not here. All right. Uh, it sounds like they've already approved it. Uh, apparently they've met in May, back in May to approve the vote. And they wanted to vote on the $69 million lease of the 6.9 acres for about five years. Chinatown Community Watch volunteer Tanya Wu, who I'm sure is uh, you know a strong proponent of helping people who are homeless, just not in my Chinatown. Tanya said, I was watching this meeting and they're talking about the importance of having a community outreach engagement plan and also good neighborhood agreements. We haven't learned any information. No one's talking to us. No one's engaged us. No one has done any community outreach. <laughs> <laughs> we find this to be very much evidence of systemic racism. Do you? Okay. So, I mean, I totally agree with them about, uh, you know, not in my backyard. And I, I do not have an answer for you. Uh, I wish I did. But uh, the current shelter, which holds 300 people uh, and provide an RV park, and a sobering center. It's very important to have a sobering center. So the new shelter is going to cost $22 million to keep open. The funding for the new shelter will come from the city of Seattle, along with funding from President Biden's American Rescue Plan. That's great. The homeless shelter will also include 50 tiny house units and require 400 people to man the entire complex. All right. Good deal. Uh, appreciate it. Keep it coming. No problem. Uh, they protesters uh, concluded the rally by walking the area where the homeless shelter would be placed in their community. And while walking, protesters chanted, nobody asked us. Not in our backyard. Not in our backyard. Over there. How about you house them over there? That'd be great. Okay. And I thought, what happened to the big homeless thing that they were going to build in LA? Didn't they, weren't they going to build some big homeless complex underground system in LA. How's that working out? Cause we've heard so much about it. 
So, anyway, residents of Chinatown in Seattle are a little wound up at uh, the new homeless shelter that they're going to go ahead and build in Chinatown. And they're going to have uh, an RV park, little tiny homes, house about 500 people, and, and, very importantly, are going to have a sobering center. So, that actually might be a good deal. Just not here. Okay, <laughs> I'm a big fan of what you're doing, but don't do it here. And of course, like I said, I'm a big fan of what you're doing. Uh, Tanya Wu uh, claims that we're not saying that the unhoused are the problem. Of course not. We What, what, what gave you that idea, Tanya? Uh, we don't believe they are. It's the people who prey on them that are the problem. The drug dealers who come to where their clients are. Or the people who run the prostitution rings who are employing the young ladies who are working to try to buy drugs. None of those concerns have been addressed from that center. And we have also similar concerns regarding this 500-person shelter. We have questions that we would like addressed and answered. Well, good luck. Good luck, Tanya Wu. What was your title again? Chinatown... Community Watch Volunteer, Tanya Wu. Good luck. God bless. All right, let's go to the break room. I need something cold to drink desperately. (laughs) So good. So I did uh, Pat Unleashed this morning in my Chewing the Fat segment. If you uh, listen, I do it every Wednesday, the Chewing the Fat segment at 6.30 a.m. Central. Today is 9-14-2022 for those of you listening live. And I talked about uh, the ratings of uh, some of the big games. We talked about the ratings, how uh, they're touting it, but they're really poor for the WNBA. And we talked about the ratings for the Texas-Alabama Saturday game, which drew 10.6 million viewers. And then according to Fox Sports, during the 15 minutes at the end of the game, there was 15.1 million viewers watching the game. And I talked about Sunday night's Bucks cowboys game, which uh, brought in 25.1 million viewers. And that's with everything. That's uh, linear TV and all the streaming and digital platforms sprinkled in. And then we have the Emmys. They had like a 25% drop-off from last year's broadcast down to 5.9 million viewers, a record low for the Emmys. Wow. And so, okay. I mean, I think, you know, look, in today's world, you're going to, I'd like to see what the social media engagement is because the clips from these awards have got to be doing well, right? I mean, that's part of the deal. So at least it should be. And if they're not, then they're doing something wrong. I know that we complained that they didn't, uh, I guess they didn't give enough love to the queen, if any. Uh, People were wound up that they didn't give Olivia Newton-John a mention in the memoriam tribute. I mean, let's just, why didn't they mention everybody that died? That's what I try to do. Uh, You know, on different days, not just one night, but, you know, who died today? I'll just step in and do a who died today for the Emmys. No problem. You're welcome. (laughs) And I saw where Lizzo was uh, happy that she was, you know, that she won. She said when she was a little girl, all she wanted to see was me in the media, meaning her, not me. Someone fat like me, her, not 
me, black like me, again, her, not me, beautiful like me, again, her, not me. So congratulations, Lizzo, because now you can, someone fat like me, black like me, beautiful like me, has won the Emmy Award. So congratulations. Well, as long as we're talking about in memoriam and, uh, you know, I'll do a who died today on the, uh, uh, during the Emmys, uh, I might as well give you who died today. Uh, Ken Starr, the Texas attorney who led the whitewater investigation that later led to the impeachment of president Bill Clinton died, uh, at 76 years of age. So Ken Starr. Uh, died in a Houston hospital from surgery complications. Ooh, that's never good. Uh, he was 76 years of age. Ken Starr dead at 76. Jean-Luc Goddard. Jean-Luc Goddard. Uh, who was this uh, new wave cinema director, acclaimed uh, director from France. Uh, dead at 91 years of age. He rewrote the rules of film and influenced directors from Martin Scorsese to Quentin Tarantino. Quentin, I can't even say his name. Quentin Tarantino. So he died in Switzerland from assisted suicide. So I don't know how sick Jean-Luc was. Uh, he had a vision of genius, said President Emmanuel Macron. Uh, he was like an apparition in French cinema and then became a master of it. Okay. Uh, so he's a, you know, big time film guy in Europe and around the world. He, uh, had, uh, in multiple invalidating illnesses, according to the medical report, multiple invalidating illnesses. So he went to Switzerland and had them help him die that's what assisted suicide is jeff yeah no i know i get it so okay jean-luc godard dead at 91 uh ramsey lewis passed away wow that's so sad ramsey lewis this guy was so good ramsey lewis a jazz pianist musician i mean he was 87 years old he was i mean he was probably the ramsey lewis trio I mean, he was probably one of the country's most successful jazz guys. Uh, he was awesome. I saw Ramsey, I don't even know, I mean, a hundred years ago now. I saw him play at an airport lounge. Uh, I mean, I, the, the plane flew in. He walked off, came into the lounge. The Ramsey Lewis trio came into the lounge, played. They played for, I don't know, two or three hours, walked back on the plane, flew out. It was awesome. <laughs> he was awesome. I mean, he had, uh, how many albums did Ramsey Lewis have? I think he had like 80 albums throughout his career. I mean, the guy, more than 80 albums to his credit. He's played with Tony Bennett and Al Jarreau and Pat Metheny and Aretha Franklin. I mean, most of his albums were with the Chess Records out of Chicago. He played at uh, Clinton's uh, State Dinner in 1995. I mean, the guy was awesome. And I didn't know that uh, he hosted a radio show uh, in the 90s and the 2000s called the Ramsey Lewis Morning Show on WNUA-FM. 
and syndicated the Legends of Jazz with Ramsey Lewis in 2007, which was a weekly program that aired on public television stations nationwide. I mean, the guy was just uh, very sad. Uh, rest in peace, Ramsey Lewis. And I, I do mean rest in peace to Ken Starr, Jean-Luc Godard, but seriously rest in peace, Ramsey Lewis, man. You, uh, you were and are a legend. And his son even said, uh, he was at peace. He died at home. And he said, uh, most people say when they met my dad, he was a class act. He was that way even through his last breath. I mean, he definitely was. Um, I just, you know, I would have loved to have had an opportunity to actually meet him. I mean, we kind of, it was a small venue, so I feel like I met him. But I never, you know, at, when I saw him, and it was so long ago now, I'm sure he remembers it. Uh, well, I'm sure he did remember it, but uh, I would have liked to have uh, liked to have talked to him. He's one of those guys that, I mean, he's traveled the world, man. This guy lived, growing up in Chicago, he played in small bars when he was a little kid. And he played in all these jazz bars and nightclubs, figuring out how to play in front of audiences. And, you know, then he traveled the world amazing career and so it's very sad that Ramsey Lewis has passed away Ramsey Lewis dead at the age of 87 rest in peace Okay, all I can think of now is assisted suicide. I know, it's. I don't know why it's eating at me. Uh, I mean, the guy, Jean-Luc Agarre, was this genius, and I was reading about him uh, and all the work he'd done and how many people he had influenced, and, you know, he was in love with his actress, and they had a thing, and they made a bunch of movies, and he broke all the rules, and Tarantino said that uh, he taught me how to have fun and freedom and the joy of breaking the rules, I consider Goddard to be, to cinema, what Bob Dylan was to music. Wow. Okay. But what got me, what I'm thinking about really, is just the assisted suicide. Uh, Because we just had the one guy do it not long ago that owned Studio 54, right? He went over to Switzerland and, uh, and was assisted with his death. So the filmmaker, you know, according to his legal advisor, uh, that uh, had... Jean-Luc Godard had recourse to legal assistance in Switzerland for a voluntary departure as he was stricken with multiple invalidating illnesses. And assisted suicide is legal in Switzerland in some circumstances. And I got to thinking, I don't know, you know, if I could do it and if it's actually legal or not. And then I, so I looked on Wikipedia I'm going to have to do some more studying on assisted suicide because uh, Wikipedia uh, lists that, uh, I mean, there are some states that allow you to, uh, you know, assist yourself to death. <laughs> okay. I, I, I don't know why that surprises me. I, I guess if you uh, take start pulling all the religious stuff out, which is, what you have to do, uh, you know, you can do it. So according to this, 
physician, this is Wikipedia, so it's got to be true. Uh, Physician-assisted suicide is legal in some countries under certain circumstances. Austria, Belgium, Canada, Luxembourg, Netherlands, New Zealand, Spain, Switzerland, parts of the United States, California, Colorado, Hawaii, Maine, Montana, New Jersey, New Mexico, Oregon, Vermont, Washington, and Washington, D.C. Okay. All right, and then it lists uh, Australia, New South Wales, Queensland, South Australia, Tasmania, Victoria, and Western Australia, the Constitutional Courts of Colombia, Germany, and Italy legalize assisted suicide, but their governments have not legislated or regulated the practice yet. Okay, so you can get help or can't get help, or you have to have what uh, Jean-Luc called, uh, or his legal advisor called multiple invalidating illnesses. And that's what happened to the Studio 54 guy too. He had uh, multiple invalidating illnesses and he didn't want to live anymore. So, okay, I see, you know, they go through and they tell you uh, it's not, uh, you know, assisted suicide is illegal in a lot of countries and a lot of states. It's considered murder, punishable, you know, going to prison if you if you do it. Um, so I know some places will give you what you need, but you got to do it yourself. Um, I, I just, I don't know where, I, don't, I personally don't know what the line is. I don't know what the line is. How sick do you have to be to be okay with, you know, yes, just, I just want to end it. Let's go. And if you are that sick, gosh, you know, you kind of should be able to decide, right? I mean, there's only so much suffering a human can take. And so if you're really sick and you have had enough, you should be able to do that and not get the rest of your family, friends, anyone who knows you, uh, in trouble, right? We've all had suicide touch our lives, so it's it's tough for me to get my head around. But, uh, you know, it's out there. So, you know, you do you, you, boo. But you have the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline now, 988. So if you're, you know, if you need help, get it. Uh, Just call 988. It's available anytime, uh, day or night, 24-7, free and confidential support for people in distress. So, I mean, if you're you're having a crisis, use the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 988. I don't know if the 988 was busy today, as all we got was royal coverage of the Queen's Coffin movement. Yeah, maybe there were many people uh, around the world that were like, enough already. <laughs> I got it, okay? I know, Harry is walking with William, and he gets to wear his little medals, but not the uniform. And Andrew gets to go up with his brother and sister, but he doesn't get the uniform. He has to wear the little shiny medals, too. That's it. That's all they're doing, okay? I know he said he was going to take care of the dogs, so you get to wear your little medals. And Harry, you get to walk with William up there with the, you know, with the, with the king, and you get to wear your little medals, but you're not wearing, you're not wearing the uniform. And Megan could be in the back of the car, okay, as we move the coffin. That's just the way it is. So I, I mean, it was never freaking ending with the movement of, of, uh, of the queen. Whew, man. And I see that, uh, you know, I'm not sure how much. 
money it costs to do all this, and I don't know if the state is paying for all of that. I mean, the the Queen's, I'm sorry, the late Queen's private portfolio, they say, was valued at almost a billion dollars. $949 million. Now, the Crown's estate has a $19 billion collection of assets, including shopping malls and wind farms overseen by a board of directors. Isn't that interesting? The royal family's private and secretive fortune, which includes Balmoral Castle, which is where she died. Uh, I told you that. We talked about that's theirs. That's a working property. We talked about all the all the buildings and stuff that's on Balmoral and how that creates. That's a separate thing from the state. So I know that uh, in all this time when Charles was waiting for mom to die, he, I mean, he grew his portfolio and it grew, I, according to this, it grew by 50% in the last 10 years. Vacation rentals, London Hoff office buildings, uh, and it says in the story, and controversial offshore investments. Oh, isn't that nice? Uh, all right. All right. So, uh, you know, we'll see if William gets any of that. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, apparently you're looking at, uh, you know, Charles probably inherited most of the portfolio, I would say. And that's, they're saying uh, the portfolio of assets worth around 28 billion dollars okay so according to a 1993 agreement with the British government all of that is exempt from inheritance tax isn't that interesting so the rest of the UK inheritance tax is 40% for estates worth more than $377,000 so that's you know Almost everyone. Okay, maybe not everyone, but a lot of people are going to have estates worth more than $377,000, I would think. So, good for them. Good for making that deal. I mean, if you were part of a, a family who had, uh, you know, a worth of $28 billion, you'd want to make that agreement with the British government, too. So, good for them. I see, you know... I see they're trying to talk Harry out of not releasing his memoir that he's got, uh, supposed to be released in November. Uh, they're, you know, hell-bent on getting it released. A couple people are saying, hey, Harry, why don't you wait? Uh, you're trying to get back together now with, uh, you know, your dad and your brother and the kids and the wife. You're going to, you know, try to get together, maybe have a little barbecue hang out, you know, cook a couple hot dogs, have a couple burgers, get to know one another again. Why don't you wait on that memoir thing? So then you can add to it. You know, you can say, yeah, well, I was thinking that then, but now everything is fine. And you put that in the book and you change a couple, you know, you ease up on a little bit of the complaints, but they're hell bent on getting it released. And I bet you Megan is behind that all the way to get that released. She wants to continue, continue with that, uh, with that knife through the blades. <laughs> through the shoulder blades absolutely she does uh, that's not I'm gonna I'm gonna say I believe my original my original thought was that they would have been divorced already but then she got pregnant again that second kid saved that marriage 
And then, you know, Grandpa died, and Grandma got sick now, and Dad's going to be king, Brother's going to be king. I don't know if Dad's going to step down and give it, to, give it to Bill, although that would be a great move on Charles' part. Waited all this time to be king. Okay, I'm king. All right, I'm going to step down and give it to William. You know what? I had enough. I just want to hang out with, uh, with my girl. You know who his girl is, right? Camilla. <laughs> yep, that's her. And I'm just going to hang out with her. And uh, Bill, you go ahead and take it. All right? Take care. <laughs> I mean, that would be a good move. He's not going to do it, though. He's not going to do it. He's waited this long. He never had the guts to put a pillow over Mommy's face. Give, you know, with assisted suicide. He never had the guts for that. So he just waited for her to die. And she finally did. And so now he gets to be king. And how cool is that? So anyway, uh, Harry and Meghan. <laughs> Back to Harry and Meghan. Uh, I'm guessing, and then I, so I thought they'd be divorced by now. And uh, the second kid saved the marriage. So I'm guessing that uh, I originally thought that they would be divorced by this September, and it's still or this December, but it still could happen. Especially after this, uh, William and uh, the old man could be getting into Harry's ear, and uh, you know could start you know putting a wedge between Meghan and. Harry and the family. And once that wedge gets in there, if they can lodge that wedge in there, Megan's not going to break that. And Harry will be back living on the grounds with the kids, telling Megan, hey, keep the place. Uh, It's all yours. You live out there. I got to go back with the family. And I'm taking the kids. Okay? So you can have the chickens that Archie takes care of because I don't want them. And you can go down and talk to Oprah. You can go down and Talk to, uh, what's her face down the road off the, to the left there, Ellen, but, uh, I'm out. Okay. I'm going to be at one of the castles. Don't try to call them. There's no, there's no cell coverage. Yeah. I want to talk to you really bad, but there's no cell coverage. So take care. <laughs> So earlier this week, a woman sued the city of San Francisco after her DNA was used to arrest her for a crime. And you think, well, okay, well, how did they get the DNA? Uh, Well, they took it from a rape kit. Uh, She uh, was given a rape kit and they took the DNA and uh, they had been saving DNA samples from the uh, from the victims. So they've been keeping the samples and test them against the database for other crimes. District attorney dropped the property crime charges against the woman whose DNA was collected in the 2016 rape kit, even though she was the victim, not the assailant. And now she's been re-victimized by an unconstitutional practice. The state is moving to ban using rape DNA for unrelated cases. So, okay, we'll see what happens. I mean, she's being re-victimized. She also was a criminal. Uh, It doesn't mean she wasn't raped, Jeff, okay? I know. I know. And, you know, we have to believe all women. I get it. But they gave her a rape kit, and they just saved her DNA, and they just slowly, you know, test it out. Don't tell anybody. Just, you know, we've got the DNA. Just see if it, uh, just run it. Run it. See if we we get a match. And they did. 
So it was, and, and by the way, I, it was just uh, property crime charges. It doesn't say what those property crime charges were. Uh, you know, could have been a, you know, could have been a, a, a little glass vase for flowers. Or it could have been, you know, a $100,000 car. I don't know. I don't know what the crime was. But the the real crime, Jeff, I'll tell you what the real crime is. They're re-victimizing these women, okay? She tested for a rape kit, and now she has to go through it again because they saved her DNA. Okay, coming to a courtroom near you, though, it's a good case. It's a good case because should the police be able to use the DNA samples on from you? as the victim to then look for something against you that's a i would say no to that Uh, it's just me i you know i'm throwing it out there no i know i'm a criminal i get it but i'm just i'm throwing it out there all right i am how does i see another another story about police escorting passengers from a plane after it landed because one person inadvertently missed security before boarding. Now, remember in, uh, not too long ago in San Diego, right? I think it was San Diego. They closed a damn wing of the airport because somebody got past security. They made people get off the planes that they were already on and they had to re-securitize these people. They had to go back through security. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's right they had to re-securitize them so and now it happened again so the passengers were allowed to leave uh, the melbourne airport this happened in uh, australia after being re-screened or re-securitized uh and so i guess a passenger missed the screening i'd like to know how that happens i'd like to learn how that happens so then they just kept an eye on the plane. As soon as it landed, they make everybody go through security again. Are, are you serious? So I thought the point of going through the security was to make the flight safer. But these people had already been on their flight and landed at their destination. So what you already know, oh yeah, everyone was fine. Sure, one of them didn't go through security, but everything is fine. We all made it to the destination safely. So which is it? Are we going through security for the safety of our flight? Or are we going through security just so that we learn to continue to conform? Uh, Okay. You know. You, you can answer it yourself, I guess. Don't worry about it. But uh, I just, I find that uh, a little disconcerting. Just a little, and I would be so angry. Oh my gosh. Would I be simple? Would I be mad? I would be so angry. Especially uh, the one, the one uh, the earlier one, I think it was San Diego, uh, where they made, if you had already boarded the plane and they made you get off the plane to go back through security. <laughs> Uh, no, thank you. Because somebody else didn't go through security because you didn't do your job. Oh man, I may be in jail. I could possibly be in jail now. I mean, could I get thrown in prison? I don't know. They just threw that one New York lady in prison for four months and 
she's got uh, she has to pay restitution to American Airlines and she's got to have three years of supervised release and the other female passenger that was in the fight with her back in New uh, is going to be uh, she pled guilty pleaded guilty and now is going to be sentenced in November it was a flight from Dallas to LA they diverted to Phoenix because of the fight uh, they were up in first class. They got them. They were engaged in intimidating behavior. I hate people that engage in intimidating behavior. They were on the flight. They had to be removed from the plane at Phoenix. Not my favorite airport in the world. It's pretty, but it's not my favorite place in the world. And uh, each woman assaulted a passenger during the flight, used racial slurs when male passenger asked them to stop. Oh, okay. So, uh, the one passenger, male passenger, hey, stop. So, racial slur against you. And she spit on a man when he tried to record the altercation. <laughs> so, the FBI and Phoenix police were all involved in the investigation. And so, now uh, she has to pay uh, $9,200 in restitution, serve four months in prison, and three years of supervised release. The other female passenger will be sentenced in November. Good! Good. Quit disrupting my flight. I'm I'm going from Dallas to L.A. and you're going to make me stop in Phoenix just to get these stupid bitches off my plane? I guess you'd be okay. I guess you'd be okay with that at that time. Get them off. Let's go. Don't mess around. And I guess, you know, I'm okay with that. I will say, though, I love the pilot of Southwest Airlines who was flying out of Houston to Mexico. He was he delayed the flight a little bit, but he didn't roll back to the gate and he got the got the passengers to Cabo. He has someone airdropped a nude photo to other passengers and uh, they all you know, they were boarding the plane. One lady said uh, her and her friends were boarding the plane to go to Cabo. I don't know if Ted Cruz was on the flight. And uh, she received a photo via airdrop, and she declined the photo. Two women with her uh, said accepted the airdrop and showed it to her. Hey, there's a new guy. Look at this guy. <laughs> so uh, they, the pilot uh, said that he, don't make me turn this thing around. If I have to turn this thing around, I will. And... <laughs> And uh, so, I mean, it was the safety and security and well-being of customers and employees is, at Southwest is our highest priority. And, I mean, airdropping nude photos of yourself, that is not highest priority. <laughs> but the pilot was awesome. So here's the deal. This continues while we're on the ground. I'm going to have to pull back to the gate. Everybody's going to have to get off. We're going to have to get security involved. And it's vacation that's going to be ruined. So you folks, whatever that airdrop thing is, quit sending naked pictures. Let's get yourself to the combo. Hey, man, that's awesome. He didn't pull it back into the gate or anything. He said, don't make me turn this thing around. Okay. <laughs> Stop airdropping your naked pics. And let's get this thing to combo. Okay. <laughs> So we do have some breaking news as well today. Uh, we talked uh, yesterday, uh, I think, or the day before. They get confused, and I talked a little bit about it today on Pat Gray Overtime, which is available on Blaze TV, about the railroad union strike that uh, could be coming. Well, a rail union has rejected the deal to prevent the strike. 
Uh, that's excellent. That's good because nothing bad could happen. It's only $2 billion a day if the railroad goes on strike and they stop shipping goods around the country uh, on rail. The International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers announced that its 4,900 members reject the deal its leaders reached with freight railroad companies. It now joins two other unions representing engineers and conductors that are set to go on strike Friday if they do not get more quality of life provisions in their contracts. Okay. So how about we figure out what they want and give it to them for their quality of life provisions? How about we do that? Uh, It's just me thinking out loud. How about we give it to them? Oh, we uh, you can't just bend over backwards. Well, uh, I'd rather do that than have the railroads shut down. I know it's a hostage situation, but uh, let's just do it. All right. I told you the numbers uh, on overtime, and I told you the numbers on uh, on earlier show uh, here on chewing the fat. So many of our goods travel by rail, fertilizer, grain, automobiles, uh, UPS packages, coal, plenty of goods uh, get shipped on the rail lines. And so we don't want them to go on strike. We want them to continue chugging along, right? Right? Don't look at me like that. You know I'm right. Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.